everyone, my name is Amanda Starling and I am your host for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion, a program brought to you by the Radio Roadies. Since this is our debut, our first, our genesis of sorts, our origin story episode, I'd like to take the first few minutes to tell you all about what Angry Girl Music is and what I'm doing here. It started with an awkwardly snarky line from the infamous movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. You might remember that moment when Joseph Gordon-Levitt prattles on about the best qualities of a 90s girl. Okay, I'm biased, he's really describing Kat Stratford. The thing is, when Patrick Verona scoffed at Kat about her taste in feminism, food, and music, it was a true projection of what our society's opinion of women is. The reaction is eye-rolling, scoffing, and of course the patriarchy. Women, people of color, and LGBTQ people have struggled to seize a stage for the entirety of music's existence. Up until maybe the past 30 years, it was truly a world dominated by traditionally heterosexual white men. Look at your top 40 lists, festival lineups, or even just who is playing at your local dive bar. Bet you can't count five women on that lineup. Or people who identify as queer. Or people of color. That's why I'm here, microphone in hand, spewing words about the importance of representation. Some of us are more privileged than others. I have the opportunity to take my talents as a host, a writer, a photographer, and a videographer to shine light on people who have many more talents even greater than mine. So my mission with Angry Girl Music is to really unpack the issues minorities in music face, confront them with the most important voices, and see if we as a music community can change them forever. In this first episode, you'll hear from the brilliant keyboardist Erica Clayton of Binary Heart as we discuss gender and being in a band in the scene itself. You'll also hear about a special fundraiser set to count down to the fest in Gainesville, Florida, benefiting the Girls Rock Camp. Before we wrap up, I'll share with you some of the best songs I have featured on my best albums of 2016 so far list, including Taco Cat and Muncie Girls. All this and more in the first episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. Your self-confidence is slowly depleting Such as the sun when it falls in the evening Trying hard to keep a hold to what it can Thinking slowly that emotions are fading Being stripped of the most pleasant of feeling Knowing all will disappear on the horizon Some nights will sparkle bright With such gleaming heavenly bodies While the others display a vacant sky And on these darkest nights You will find me an equal with the sun Disappointed every time I start the day The other stars have run for their escape. Here as our first guest on Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion is the lovely Erica Clayton of Binary Heart. How are you, Erica? Hi. I'm great, and I'm very happy to be talking to you, and seeing your face made my day better. Oh, well, I'm so glad to hear that. Seeing yours is actually pretty <laughs> exciting, too. We haven't really seen each other since, actually, I think, Fest last year. I got to see you for like a minute. 
Not even for a long enough time. It's not fair, you know? (laughs) I know. It goes by so fast, but hopefully we'll get to hang out with you some more this year. Yes, absolutely. We'll make sure that we can do that this year. Yes. I've actually been really excited to chat with you about all things music and really your involvement in it. Can you tell me about how long you've been involved in music? Uh, yeah, if we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of time, uh, I started playing music like everybody else in like the third grade. And I went through a couple instruments before I found one that I was tricked into being good at. Um, (laughs) so I was like a flute player for middle school and most of high school. And then my band director was like, no, you're an oboe player now. It'll be fun. I promise. But he lied to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I was able to kind of make sort of like an amateur career out of that until I was 23 or 24. Um, but along with doing that, when I was 15, I joined a ska band, like every 15-year-old from Connecticut. And I started playing the trombone because I wanted to sit next to a cute boy in band camp, and he plays trombone. That strategy did not work. <laughs> um, so I started playing music when I was like 15. I also started booking shows around the same time. Uh, I'm from Danbury, Connecticut. So we had this teeny little club in our city called the Empress Ballroom. And I basically have that venue to thank for everything that I've learned and all of the opportunities that I've been given to kind of play punk rock and rock and roll with my friends. And uh, I learned a lot about running a show there and I learned how to run a stage, I guess stage manage is the right word, <laughs> and uh, just kind of keep bands in check. And uh, also while playing with my band, which was a ton of fun. I played in a bunch of bands since then. My my ska band was called the Makeout Bandits. Oh, amazing name. Really good. I hated it when I was 15, but it was the opportunity I was given. <laughs> and um, I played with them for a long time. And then college, I started playing with hardcore karaoke pylon extravaganza i played keytar with them so they're like a pop punk cover band basically it was awesome super super fun um and then i moved to philadelphia for a few years after college and i played in a band another ska band called hashtag yolo swag and yeah really good right (laughs) And um, when I moved to New York City, before I moved here, uh, Mike Costa, the singer in Binary Heart, was like, hey, do you want to get together and make some music? And I was like, yeah, you know I do. <laughs> so now I do that. And I don't have to play the oboe anymore. It's really great. It worked out really well for me. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. That's such a wide range of instruments to have picked up as well. I mean, that just shows probably a lot of talent for you to be able to go from flute to oboe to guitar to in your keyboardist now in Binary Heart, right? Yes. Yeah, I play piano. I'm not very good at it, but I really like it. So I'm appreciative (laughs) of getting to play it in the band. It's a lot of fun. Well, I beg to differ. If anything, I really love your parts in Binary Heart. I, it always stands out to me as something that's very unique to the band's sound. So at, at that moment, when I listen to Binary Heart, I'm like, oh, my God, there's Erica. I can hear her. And it's, it's really <laughs> special. So I'm really glad to hear that. And it sounds like you've had a really interesting kind of set of experiences in music as well, having been somebody who booked and has been involved in the ska scene. What's your experience been like as a music fan, as somebody who's booked and maybe even just somebody who's kind of edged into the punk scene as well? 
at first I thought it was really cool and I wanted to be a part of something that I felt like was bigger than me. And I got to, to help the scene I grew up in and that was really exciting and, and really, really awesome. And I didn't find it particularly difficult to kind of make my way in, but once I got there, it was not easy to stick around. Really? Uh, you, yeah, you know how it is. A lot of people really go out of their way to make the music scene an unfriendly face. Um, Maybe not a lot of people, but there's a couple of them. So it really makes it feel like a lot. But um, I've also been doing gigs with bands, like touring with them and doing merch and tour managing them for a really long time, too. And I felt like I was able to make a lot of really cool connections. Um, But overall, I would say definitely a positive experience. But there are absolutely some things that need need some work. Can you kind of elaborate on that? What was maybe one of the, you know worst people that you maybe encountered or you don't have to name names, but or experience that kind of just stood out to you. So the first time I remember having a bad time at work, uh, I was 17 years old and we had a show on a Thursday night and the headlining band was way late. And, um, I remember their name, but I won't say it because they don't need the press, but, uh, they were really late and they didn't call the venue to say they were running late. They just kind of showed up like 10 minutes before doors and we needed to backline their stuff and we couldn't do that. And it was just like, it was kind of a nightmare and I was really wound up about it. And they were kind of looking at me like, who is this girl? Like she's in charge here. No, where's your boss? And I was like, Oh, okay, this is going to be cool. And they played and a couple of them are really nice, but one of their, members. I don't remember if he was the singer or what his deal was. Um, they went over their set time and I was like, Hey, I told you guys two more you can't keep playing. Like the, the set is over now. We have to shut down because of noise regulations. Also, I have to go to high school tomorrow. Uh, he talked a bunch of shit to me and he told me I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just like immediately on defense. And I was just like, all right, like, fuck you. You're an asshole whatever you want. And then he started asking for favors. Like, where can we find a hotel? Do you want to come back to our hotel and you want to drink with us? And I was like, dude, no, I don't want that. Uh, again, 17 have to go to high school tomorrow. And he was like, all right, whatever, fuck you. And then he left and we had a show the next night and my boss pulled me aside and he was like, what did you say to that band last night? I was like, I don't know. I thought everything was fine. And then I told him this story. I mean, basically the band called my boss and told them that I was a bitch and that they want more money for the show. And I didn't do a good job. And I did a really bad job running the sound and I'm not nice and blah, 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 blah. They talked a bunch of shit about me to my boss and I got in trouble for it or something that I felt was not my problem. And my boss was like, I'm really sorry to have to say this, but if you are having trouble with a band, call over one of the guys who works here and he'll take care of it. And I was just like, okay, which is not an answer that I liked, but, um, that was kind of the first time that where someone was like, I believe in you and I believe you, but these guys are going to be shitty sometimes and you got to have someone as backup. And I was just like, okay, cool. So, uh, that was the first time that that kind of happened and certainly not the last time it's happened hundreds of times since then. Um, probably because I'm a consider myself to be a kind of a tough girl and I don't really have time for nonsense or bullshit and people see doing business as, um, being mean, 
when in reality I have a job to do and the bands have a job to do. And I know what it's like to do both of those jobs. And if we could just do them and be happy. And if you don't like me, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that I don't belong here, you know? Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of sick. sick. If anything, they're in this, in this position to where they think that they think can that just they isolate you as this ice queen just for doing your job, which uh-huh. and get you I in think, trouble. I think about that scenario all the time, all the time. It's been 11 years and I still think about it because it was just like so shitty that it was happening. And I was really young and I was disappointed in the people that I worked with and the people that I love, because instead of kind of like backing me up, they were just sort of like, well, this is the way that it is. I was like, Oh, I don't like that. No, if anything, you kind of hope that you would have some sort of support system to where you wouldn't have to, you know, feel like you had to handle a situation differently just because of your gender. Right. And uh, luckily, I haven't handled any situations differently since then, because that that's that that night stuck with me for such a long time. And it put such a bad taste in my mouth. But I love playing shows and booking shows and meeting new people and like socializing and getting into new bands that that love was a lot bigger than what they did to me kind of that night. I know it feels kind of dramatic saying what they did to me, but you know what I mean? No, exactly. It was an empowering experience, I think, in the end. And I think if anything, it sounds like it really helped you get even stronger and more confident in your career. And, you know, since then, you've obviously done some amazing things. You joined Binary Heart. Can you tell me a little bit about how that started for you? Yeah. So Costa and I have been friends for... We met at Best Nine, officially. We had met earlier that year when my band was touring with another one of his friend's bands. Uh, but that wasn't like an official, we're friends now. So we met at Fest Nine, uh, and he asked me about what I do and what kind of music do I like to play, and am I a musician, and that's really cool. I have this project, it's called Binary Heart, and I was like, okay, but I'm moving to Philadelphia in like six months at that time, and uh, they're based in Long Island, so that was just not not an option for me at the time. Sure. Uh, flash forward. I made hand signals. You can't see them. Um, <laughs> flash forward. You can see them then either. Anyway, I moved to New York city in 2013. And right before I moved, Costa was like, Hey, you still interested in playing in my band? And I was like, hell yes, I am. Let's do this. And, uh, Two weeks after I moved in, I went out to Long Island to record some songs with him. And that was it. It was, it was awesome. Um, one of my, two of my very good friends are in the band. Um, Steve Wozniak plays bass. He, you guys all know him from, uh, he makes the Fest app and the website and all of that really awesome stuff. He's amazing. Um, and John Greco joined us on second guitar and we kind of, really filled out after that because for a long time we were just doing acoustic shows because we didn't have a full band, but, um, we went for it and it's been a ton of fun and they're some of my best friends in the world. And I'm really glad that I get to make music with them. That's really awesome. I feel like that's a really cool privilege that I have. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell that there's this really great chemistry going on in the band. I'm sure it's largely due to your friendship that everything feels like it's just meant to be together. When you listen to the music, everything is not only melodic, but it's like, well, it's just so well done. And Brighter Days is actually a really brilliant album. I love listening to that. Thank you. Actually, pretty regularly. Thank you. Um, Do you know how we wrote that record? It's a great story. I love telling it. 
please share that story. So last spring, Costa is like, I want to do a full band record this year. It's like March, right? It's like, I want to do a full band record. I booked the studio for July. And we were like, okay, we don't have anything written. We don't know how to practice. Even though we're all professionals, we're like not super good at going to practice and being productive all the time. Uh, so I went to Casa's house every weekend, like every Saturday or every Sunday for a couple of months. And we fleshed out some songs, mostly him. Uh, he was just asking for my opinion, which I'm happy to share with anyone who wants it. And, um, we fleshed out a bunch of songs. We put them in a Dropbox, sent them out to everybody, uh, in the band. And then we all wrote our parts without consulting each other at all. We, Got it done, sort of, uh, by the time we went into the studio and we were recording. Our engineer was Tom Malinowski. He's amazing. I would recommend him to everyone. He's like a super cheerleader and he also talks a lot of shit to you and it's a ton of fun and he's a good friend. So like Tom Malinowski, uh, and then Jeff Rosenstock produced it because he's a very kind man as well, who is willing <laughs> to spend six days with us in the studio and then another couple days at his house finishing up. And, wow. um, we did the whole thing in like six days in the studio and then maybe two days at Jeff's house. And um, then we sent it off to Joel to have him master it. Joel mastered my one of my favorite records of all time, uh, Scrambles, on the music industry. Wow. So knowing that Joel was listening to my music, I was just like, oh, my God, Joel. Uh, and he did a really awesome job and he mixed it and we had it and we didn't have it ready until like, it took longer to get the masters back than it took for us to write and record the record. Wow. Um, we had it ready for release like two weeks before the fest. So we put it up on Substream. Um, Scott Heisel covered it for us because he's another wonderful angel of a human being. And uh, it got a lot of attention. And then we played at the fest and it was amazing. So that was amazing at fest too, by the way. I was barely got inside actually because it was at capacity when I tried to get in which uh, does a lot for how much hype there was probably around that new release. It's crazy because we've never played any of those songs live before that day ever, ever. Wow. Really? Yeah. That was the first time, but uh, we practiced hard to make sure that it would be good. Um, but yeah, that show at the fest was the first time we ever played that record live for anyone. So that was scary. I'd imagine <laughs> so, but you know, it's kind of cool. I just saw so many like faces that were really excited and feeling the music. So it's kind of incredible that you were able to have that so soon. And, you know, especially if that's your first time playing it live, I couldn't tell. It was amazing. It was, it was a really great experience. And, uh, Dirty Nellie's was where we played really treated us very well. And they did a nice job on sound and they heard me when I was yelling about smoking inside and they were nice enough to ban that for the weekend, I guess, depending on what side of that argument you're on. I thought it was nice of them to do that. That is but, very um, nice. <laughs> So we could play in a sort of smoke-free environment, which was very important to me because I have very bad asthma and I don't want to die on stage. But I feel like if I do, that's an okay way to go, but not because of cigarettes. Anyway. Let it be for me um, playing your heart out or something. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have that. But uh, they were really great to us and we were really grateful to play and we're hoping to play someplace a little bit bigger this year. Um, and hopefully people, there's enough space for everyone. I couldn't believe that uh, people couldn't get in. That was crazy to me. That's never happened to me before. So yeah, that's exactly how packed it was. I actually was standing with a couple of people who were in pap smears and we were all trying to get in. And as soon as we said who we were, the bouncers were just like, oh, we like your name. You're coming inside. So yeah. 
it was perfect. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like I get to play like I'm in the girl gang this time. This is amazing. So it's, we got we got lucky with that name. <laughs> a lot of people like it. So um, can you actually tell me from your perspective, what are some of the best parts of being in Binary Heart? Um, I like that there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things to love. I love them. They're, they're my best friends. They're amazing. Um, they're all very, sorry, I'm just watching the cat do the thing. They're all very (laughs) nice and very kind and very respectful. And I'm kind of a hot headed kind of person. So they're, they'll certainly agree. There have been times where I've kind of said something without thinking too hard about it. And then later I'm like, Oh, that wasn't very nice. Oh no. And then we go and we talk about it and they're just like, it's cool. We understand. We get you. We're like this too sometimes. And I'm just like, you're my friends. Yay. (laughs) Um, they're always there to back me up and encourage me to kind of write whatever I'm going to write and then just sort of go along with it. Uh, not always. I mean, you can't always play everything that you want to play. Uh, but they're, they're really good cheerleaders in being like, you want to do this really weird thing? All right, let's do it. So I love playing with them. We haven't had a lot of shows outside of New York, which is unfortunate in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, but we're working on it because we want to come and meet everybody and then say, Hey, because everybody's really nice to us. And the feedback we've gotten about the record has been kind of overwhelming at times. And, um, we just want to, we want to play it. We want to play it for our friends and make new friends. And they're awesome to have as backup for that. And they don't take anybody's shit either. Not even mine. That's the best. <laughs> that does sound like the best. Well, hopefully we can get you on tour soon. That would be amazing. Oh man, you're telling me. We all have jobs. So it's not as easy as it could be, but uh, maybe next year. Uh, we've talked about doing some things in the fall, but we're not super planners really. Um, so we haven't gotten anything off the ground yet. So we're hoping maybe if we can't do something short this fall, we'll go out for a week or two in the spring, but I can't make any promises. I wish that I could. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed in the meantime. But right now we're going to take a short break and listen to facades by binary heart. Highly sitting in a corner of a dim lit room, avoiding all your friends. Just existing for the liquor to hit you fast enough for living to begin. Cause you're boring when somebody needs you. In conversations, just to feel like you want it. You think that they'll laugh at what you say. You feel no one loves you. Then whether the signs they come and go, or you're on the cover with a smile. 
You just heard Facades by Binary Heart. We're here with Erica Clayton herself from Binary Heart, who just told us about her experiences with the band so far. Erica, one of the things that I've actually been wanting to ask you about is the show culture and some of the challenges that, you know, we as women can face at times. Can you talk to me a little bit about that as both somebody who's a fan of music, but somebody in a band too? I could talk about that until I die, probably. (laughs) Um, So the experience that I've had being in a band as a woman is, is not unique to me, unfortunately. And while I'd say 80% of the time, everything is great and positive and things go the way you want them to. There's always going to be somebody who thinks you don't belong there or thinks that they can do a better job than you or thinks that you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I can't tell you how many sound guys have been like, do you want to plug into that little box on the floor? It's got the cable coming out of it. And I was like a DI box. Yeah. I'm a keyboard player. That's what I want to plug my keyboard into. Um, and I've had people ask me whose girlfriend I am when I'm tour managing bands. That happened to me when I was doing merch last year uh, for a band on tour. And this guy came up to me, looked at the merch table, looked at the guy next to me who was in the band and was like, whose girlfriend is this? And I was just like, I'm in charge of this. I'm in charge of all of this. Um, I get that. Um, just a week and a half ago, I asked some guy in between two songs at a show to maybe not put his hands on me in uh, the way he was doing because I didn't appreciate it. And he was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, no, I'm not fucking kidding you, dude. Like, And then he told me to get out of the pit. And I was like, um, no, but okay. And earlier this year at the same band show, I got punched in the face for being in some guy's face who didn't feel that myself or my friends belonged there. So... Those are some more extreme examples, but you know, it happens all the time. The, the first year I played Fest, I was, um, played some songs with Jeff Rosenstock, which was amazing. He's wonderful, kind human. Let me highly recommend his friendship. Um, <laughs> goals for me, I promise. I promise. Yeah. And I like showed up at the venue to load my stuff in and I was only playing a couple of songs. So I didn't have a lot invested in it, except it was the first time I was playing Fest and it was really cool and I was really excited. And I went with my drink ticket to go get a beer at the bar. And the guy was like, you're not in that band. Go get the guy who's in that band and prove it. And I was like, no, I'm just going to go somewhere else. Like, it's no big deal. You don't have to serve me if you don't want to believe me, but you're going to see me later. And uh, you're going to be terrible to everyone else. So unfortunately the fest is amazing as it is. And I love it. And I have for every negative thing I have to say about it, I have like 150 positive things to say because I feel like it's the best place that you can go and just love the music you love and make new friends. But there are those people in our scene there too. And that really sucks. So mm-hmm. I started making uh, shirts a couple of years ago. I guess it was only like one year ago uh, that say feminism is not a dirty word on it. And um, sold like 400 of them last year and all of the profits go to charity to support um organizations that support and empower women and girls and uh at the fest this year i'll be doing that again with the pap smears uh it's our fest raiser 2016 and um we're donating all of the money that we make to the gainesville girls rock camp because we believe very highly in giving back to the community that really gives us so much and without gainesville and the fest we would we would be nothing so Last year, we donated a lot of money to a shelter, a women's shelter called Peaceful Paths. And this year, we're going to be donating to the Gainesville Girls Rock Camp because music camps are really important to me and to 
all of us and teaching girls in an inclusive environment to be creative and to be confident and to believe in themselves and like really express themselves um, is, is very important. And it's something that I feel like at times I had it when I was growing up, but the culture really wasn't there. And uh, I do a lot of loud complaining about festivals that don't feature like non-white men. Um, that's the thing that's really important to me, especially when the only bands that have women in them uh, are bands where they're the singers, because your experience in your band as a woman is going to be different no matter what you do. And everybody's like, oh, you play in a band. What are you, the singer? I'm like, no, I'm really good at this other thing. Um, in any case, I really believe that if you want to see more of something, you have to do something to cultivate it. And if I want to see uh, more women play the fest, then I got to start with the, the kids in Gainesville. They're the ones to go to. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the great best bands, they come from Florida. They come from Gainesville. They attend those camps. So you kind of want to build that culture of women and, you know, people who are femme as well that have that mentality of I'm going to be strong enough to stand up to that bouncer or that guy at the show because I'm passionate about the music I'm making or supporting. So Mm -hmm. I really love that that's what you are also passionate about and you know, we have this ability to start to combat the crowd culture and the way that we start to see more women on those festival headlines that maybe mm-hmm. aren't just singers or maybe, you know, you see women come together in all girl bands and those are so important, but mm-hmm. you almost want to see it become so naturalized that we don't even look at the gender of who's in the lineup anymore because it's so equal. I definitely agree. I absolutely agree. And I think that kind of dream is achievable, but it's a little ways away. We, as a music scene, have quite a journey, I guess, for lack of a better word, ahead of us to get to that place. And the easiest way to do it is to call out your friends and call out people who are acting shitty at a show for no reason. Like, every time I turn around and say something to someone who's being an asshole to me, they're just like, oh. Or sometimes they ask me if I'm Haley Williams from Paramore. It usually goes one of those two ways. Um, But... Uh, I think it's really important for people to call other people out on that bullshit behavior and to really appreciate the the scene that we have and really try to make in, make improvements where there are areas that need to improve. We are not huh, not super diverse, uh, and I think that that's probably step one is featuring bands that maybe don't look like you or sound like you and. The only way to do that is to just do it. And I really appreciate that the fest kind of does go out of their way to, to make sure that people are represented. But just like everywhere else, it's important. You can always improve. And I feel like I've, I've become a stronger person because of the bands that I've seen play the fest. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, that could be me one day. That could be me up on that stage and have like a thousand people here. That would be so sick. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that if I was never exposed to that or if it was exposed so much more infrequently uh, because when you don't see people like you in charge, whether they're in the band or they're running a show or they're running a sound or whatever it is, whatever their role is, that role is extremely important and it absolutely should not be minimized. And without seeing those people in those roles, I probably wouldn't even want to be a part of the scene. Why would I want to be a part of something where I clearly don't, excuse me, clearly don't fit in, you know? No, that makes complete sense. If anything, I, last year at best, I found myself gravitating toward more shows that have people who are just generally more diverse. There were, you know, equal parts men and women in bands, or there were people who were LGBT and they kind of just stood out to me. In fact, there were more bands I saw that were 
international French, Spanish, Mexican. And I'm just amazed by the amount of diversity that Fest is able to bring into it. And I think it's really motivating for people who are musicians. I think I'm starting to notice more, you know, women in the photo pit or, you know, being involved beyond that as well. Those of us who aren't musicians, we're starting to find our space. And it's just really cool to see people become that motivated and involved in the scene. And it's going to take time, like you said, but it's going to be one of those really cool transformations. I think when it really kicks off, I'm hoping in the next few years, we're going to see like a pretty big change as, as, people start to kind of push their way in and, and won't let anybody else tell them, no, you can't be here. Um, it's one thing when someone's kind of being an asshole, but if they're not, then why can't they be welcome? Yeah. Why not? That should be like the only qualifier. Don't be an asshole. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> That's all I ask for really. Don't, don't be an asshole, but just don't be, don't be an asshole. Maybe don't punch me in the face. Like I would really like it if I could just exist in the space around me without bothering anybody. That would be super cool, but it looks like it's still a few years away. <laughs> we just want to exist. That's all. <laughs> That's all I want. So what do you think is a good motivation for, you know, women and femmes in music and kind of getting themselves motivated as musicians? kind of staying in it in spite of the kind of adversity that you may face, especially because you've spoken to the experiences you've had where people have said things or physically done things to you that kind of can be harmful. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as my experience goes, a lot of it sucked, but it wasn't as bad uh, as the experiences of a lot of other women, of people of color, of uh, non binary humans that just want to exist. And, and it's extremely disappointing to me to see that that kind of thing still happens every single day. And that I still have to be witness to it. And I don't want to speak for anybody about their experiences, but I mean, I personally always try my best to, to intervene when I see something happening. It doesn't really matter to me if it's online or if it's in person, like you're still being mean when there's no need for that and there's no reason to attack people for the way that they look or the way that they live uh and it just it's really disappointing to me when i see that and this is an extreme way to handle it but when i see my friends doing it they no longer are my friends like they they know they know that they shouldn't be doing that and that's a really shitty thing for them to treat other people like garbage when we're all just trying to be people. So I've lost some friendships over the years, but I've always felt that it was worth it. And it's a bummer when you can't be friends with your friend anymore, but it's, I would rather not be a part of that and be a part of something I love with people who respect me and all of the people around me. And I like to think a lot of people probably agree with that. Um, and I hope to see other people speaking up when basically when, when something is happening, when something is going on, no matter who it's happening to, but especially for, for people who are not, uh, straight white men, although we, we do like you guys too, don't get me wrong. Um, but you have it really well and you should use your platform to speak up for others, not speak over them, but help amplify their voices. And that's something that I really try and do. And I, sometimes I'm worried I'm doing it wrong. Uh, but luckily I have a lot of people who can be like, Oh, well, what you said was this, but I think what you meant to say was this. And I'll be like, Oh, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's, you have to be open to changing yourself if you want to see change around you. So oh, 
Absolutely. At that point, you're helping build a culture of respect and, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to amplify and share that conversation at that point, it becomes more about helping people than it being just a space where people are just kind of shouting at each other. It's that Mm -hmm. support system. And that's so important. Now, looking back, what's that? I was going to say, it's hard to come by too, because how many women do we know when we were younger who were like, oh, I'm not like other girls. I'm one of the guys. So many. I think, I think if anything, I look back on it and I think even as a teenager, I said that exact phrase at some point. Oh, I absolutely said that exact (laughs) phrase. I said shit like that until I was in like my early twenties because I thought that it was cool and that it would be accepted if I was like everybody else, but that didn't help. So I stopped doing it because it didn't make me feel good. And, uh, uh, I think if you want to be like one of the guys or whatever that means to you, that's absolutely fine, but you can't take other people down. No, you have to celebrate the fact that people are different at that point. And that's going to be what really helps promote diversity, whether it's within yourself or others. So that's incredible. I really love that perspective. Now, yeah, (laughs) speaking into that kind of train of thought and, you know, the kind of growth that, you know, we just mentioned seeing in ourselves, you know, we're not the type of people who say things like I'm, I'm like one of the guys or anything along those lines, you see how much you've grown as a person. What Mm -hmm. advice would you offer to yourself, you know, at that stage in your life now that you're grown up, not only as a person, but as a musician? Uh, I would tell myself to make, take more chances. Came here to make music and to cultivate a scene. And along the way, I got to make a lot of friends. And if I wasn't like a tough, teenage girl, I'm worried that I would have maybe gotten pushed out. So if I could go back to like 15 year old me going to my first ska band practice with the trombone I bought to impress a boy, I would, uh, I would probably tell myself that be yourself, which is so cheesy to say out loud, be yourself, make art and make it with your friends and be willing to take risks. And if you are worried about your safety, find someone to back you up. And that person's going to be there with you forever as long as you you return the favor to them. So that's what I would tell myself. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Erica. We're going to stop and listen to another Binary Heart song, this time Young Heart. When we get back, we're going to talk about that special fundraiser Erica and the Pap Smears are putting on and how you can help. And we're back with Erica. And I'm really excited to talk about this really incredible benefit project. Erica, can you tell us a little bit about the Pap Smears?
and we're back with Erica, and I'm really excited to talk about this really incredible benefit project. Erica, can you tell us a little bit about the pap smears and what you're doing for the Girls Rock Camp? I absolutely can. So the pap smears, as I talked a little bit, a little bit about before, uh, they're like a feminist community that promotes uh, intersexual feminism. Did I say that right? Intersectional feminism. There we go. <laughs> and diversity um, amongst other people who identify the same as we do or similarly to what we do. And we do our very best to promote that culture everywhere we go. We're kind of like a really big family. And we started with maybe 25 people and we've sort of branched out to, I think, maybe over 130. Um, but the way that you kind of gain membership is extremely intentional because the community is only really safe if you trust everybody who's in it. And when we allow new people into our community, we want to make sure that they know that what they're saying in the group is absolutely safe and no one will ever repeat it unless you ask them to. And, um, it's a safe place. Sorry. I thought that was my cat. That's your cat. Um, <laughs> that's actually a dog. <laughs> oh, it's your dog. Sorry, dog. Sorry no, it's that. okay. He's a, um, he's a chihuahua. Hi buddy. Oh, look at your cute little ears. I love him. <laughs> Anyway, um, the pap smears really foster that community and it's really important. And I never felt like I had that until a couple years ago when it kind of came out of a joke in the fest group. What was it before it was fest friends? Uh, I can't even remember. It was such a long time ago. ago. We were, we're going to the fest. Oh, we're going to the fest. Fest nerds. There we go. That's it. So somebody was talking some shit and somebody else in the group in the best friends group was just like, we should start a girl gang and call it the pap smears. Wouldn't that be great? And then we just kind of ran with it. <laughs> so it turned into this really amazing community. We get to support each other and be there for all of our successes and sometimes our, our failures. Um, and there are people all over the world who are a part of our group and who are there to kind of just coach you on and let you know that no matter what, you're going to be fine or you're doing great or can you teach me about this or I want to learn about that. And it's it's a very cool community to to learn more about others in. And uh, that's what we try to do. So we started the fundraiser because of an internet flame war. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember we were like, kind of, this was still when the group was still kind of new. And this guy was talking a bunch of shit to us. And we were just like, ah. and he was like, you guys don't even do anything that helps empower other women. And I was like, okay, I see what you're saying here. You don't know how we empower each other, but you want to see us empower people that we don't know. Got it. Understood. And not for nothing. That's a really good idea. Uh, so I took that idea and I was just like, Hey guys, let's raise money for someone in Gainesville. We love the fest. We hate assholes. Let's prove them wrong. So we started raising money last year. It's a little bit rocky. Uh, we did about 2,500 in our pre-order and another 13 or 14 at the fest table. So after the cost of production, it's, it wasn't quite $3,000 because we have to pay to have stuff made, but we're not making a profit on any of this. Every no. single dollar that comes in goes to these organizations. And I would love to be able to donate like $4,000 to the Gainesville Girls Rock Camp this year. Um, right now we're doing a pre-order, which launched last week. We've already raised about $1,200. Amazing. Which we did in the first three days. So just Friday we started, we launched it. And um, it's really awesome to see my friends support what I'm doing and see their families support what I'm doing or what we're doing. Um, it's, 
it can be a lot and overwhelming sometimes because trying to organize something that's kind of on that scale is, is really difficult when you don't have any experience doing that. <laughs> um, so I was just kind of going with it last year and I had a lot of help from everybody in the group. It really was an amazing team effort. And, uh, this year our pre-order went live on Friday and everything is for sale. Some things we can ship now, some things we can't ship until August. So hopefully everyone is patient. And, um, then we'll have a table at the flea market at the Gainesville registration again this year, which is going to be great. Uh, that was a ton of fun last year. I got to meet so many people who I've only talked to you online. So I felt really good about that, that last year. That's amazing. And you have all kinds of stuff that you have put up in that shop too. There's a friend of Pap Stringer's bag. There's that feminism is not a dirty word t-shirt. And Mm -hmm. what's the new one that you have again? It's a feminism is punk or something. Is that the other shirt design that you have this year? Yeah, we like modified the Ramones logo a little bit. So across the top or over the top of the circle, it says feminism is punk rock. And then across the bottom, it says smash the patriarchy. And then inside, instead of an eagle, it's a bat holding a bat because we like bats. People have been asking me what the bat is about. I'm just like, it's fine. We like bats. Uh, (laughs) That one has been the most popular item so far this year. Uh, And then my next favorite thing that we have is we have this royal blue Gainesville reunion shirt because let's be real going to the fest is like a family reunion and we all look forward to it from the the minute it ends until the minute it starts again all year so we decided to kind of go with that and it's an alligator driving a van that has a pair of jorts hanging off of the antenna on the back and he's on his way to Gainesville so he could party with all his friends all weekend yeah. Perfect. I love that design too. <laughs> There's so many cool things you can get. And the best part is that the Papsineers will donate every single dollar to the Girls every Rock Camp. One. Every single one. It's amazing what you guys are doing and I'm really excited. I'm going to have to hop on getting my order because there's so many cool things you guys have and everybody should check it out. Um, Erica, can you plug the website where everybody can pick out their really cool Papsmere gear? Uh, yeah, so it's papsmears with an S dot bigcartel.com. So papsmears dot bigcartel.com. Come and check out what we got. Show your friends if you want to, but no pressure. It's just charity. It's no big deal. And, uh, we would love to see you at the table in Gainesville. It would be really awesome to meet everyone that we've had the, the pleasure of getting to know throughout the pre-order and like just living life online over the past couple of years as the group. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, we'll get to do that family reunion, not only with uh, that fundraiser, but also with Binary Heart as well. So where can everybody listen to Binary Heart music? Where can we find you and stalk you on social media? Oh, man. So you can find our music if you want to stream it. It's on Spotify. If you want to download it, you can pay however much or little you want on Binary Heart New York dot Bandcamp. I don't know if there's a New York at the end, but uh, give it a go and maybe you'll find it. Uh, we also now have music, like physical sort of music for sale at our shows. So if you ever happen to be in the greater Long Island area, we'll probably be playing a show and we sell every single song we've ever written and recorded uh, on teeny little thumb drives for $10. And then when you're done, you have a thumb drive. Amazing. Wow. What a deal. That's actually pretty excellent. Pretty good. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head how many songs are on there. Costa did that project and it's so good. Um, and, but it's a lot. It's like 20 and some change songs for 10 bucks. So buy it from us and we're going to have vinyl in the fall, finally, a year after our record came out. Exciting. Yeah. So we're going to have, um, 
some records that everybody can hopefully buy, but you can also get our music completely for free on Bandcamp, which is, which is sick. I love getting music for free and then paying for other things from those bands. So we'll just have to get all things binary heart and we can find you guys on uh, other social media too, right? Facebook and you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter and all the places that everybody goes to the internet. Uh, we are there too, whether you like it or not. So, uh, I think you can also buy our music on Amazon, but is that a thing that people do? I don't know too many people who do that, but it's good to know you have options. Yeah, you have options. So if you're like really against what Bandcamp is doing, you can buy it from, from Amazon or from iTunes. Don't worry. We got you covered if you have convictions. So, <laughs> Well, great. Now we know how to find all things Binary Heart. Thank you so much, Erica, for talking to me and being on our first episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. What a treat. <laughs> well, thanks so much. And we will catch up again, hopefully, with you soon. Oh, I hope to see you very soon. The only thing about feeling low is knowing that you need to get back up and get your shit straight because feeling sad should be left for the ones who face the toughest obstacles that refuse to learn to overcome. Even though the bleakest moments in your life might seem the darkest There is a light I promise that shines closer than you will ever give yourself enough credit to notice its origin Just open your eyes and see That all good and bad things end It forces you to take with you what you can And start anew and say goodbye to all the intents That you once had planned Look forward to brighter days Take the time to realize some things in life will make you stronger Remove all things that harm you so the healing process is correctly Then try to help out people that you love And help the ones you don't Don't give up just yet because you'll never know what the future brings you And living in the past will get you nowhere so force yourself to Forget all the really bad moments and go create news Cause all good and bad things end It forces you to take with you what you can And start anew and say goodbye to all the intents That you once had planned Look forward to brighter days
You just heard Binary Heart's Brighter Days, and you can probably see why I admire Erica and everyone in the band so much after our chat. Now we're on to my top favorite songs that have arrived in 2016 so far. Sticking to our theme, I'll be focusing on artists who identify as women, femme, or LGBTQ. Let's get to it. Up first is Taco Cat's Plan A, Plan B, breaking down the predatory nature of men and dating and the consequences of assault. It's riveting, barking energy that Taco Cat really hammers home in slightly darker guitars and smashing energy. This nightmare show highlights the possible perpetrators of assault and condemns while leaving a striking image and impression. In the same vein as Muncie Girls, Respect, which plays off as playful indie punk, and it's also an attack on the brutal nature of the patriarchy. Consider it the spotlight on how the voices of women face consequences in a culture that disrespects through assault and sexual objectification. Keep an ear open for that mid-song speech. It really cements the song's messaging. Intoned, emotional, and driving is just the beginning when it comes to describing Tender Defender's self-titled EP. But when Maddie Jo Canino and bandmates howl through Hello Dirt, there's a sense of richness in the pain, arising from the ground and conquering energy. That's a special aura that Canino delivers in music, and it's incredible to see in this new project. Cynthia Strong Paycheck was easily one of my top favorites of Slingshot Dakota's latest album, Break. The husband-wife duo creates the most gorgeous, catchy, contagious rhythm drops in Paycheck, but not without striking messaging either. There are a few things I love more than a gorgeously psychedelic rock energy, and Soapbox Soliloquy delivers that in I Want Your Carcass off her album, Heady Stones. Echoed, swirling vitality drives through this irresistible blast of a song. I interviewed Soapbox Soliloquy, better known by friends as Jasmine Deja, for the Radio Roadies. You can find my interview with her on the theradioroadies.com. Now let's listen to some of Soapbox Soliloquy.
Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion is brought to you by the Radio Roadies. This podcast promotes gender, racial, and religious intersectionality. If you're interested in bringing your band or your voice onto Angry Girl Music, contact Amanda Starling at a.starling92 at gmail.com or on Twitter at StarlingAJ. my favorite songs to arrive in 2016 featuring the work of incredible diverse artists it's kind of amazing how we're able to find so many moving musicians so easily thank you internet let me know what you think of my picks tell me how fabulous my first podcast episode was suggest some music for me or even just give me a virtual high five on my social media on twitter at starling aj on Instagram at Song of the Starling. Go ahead and give my band photos a like too while you're at it. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, stay strong, stay fierce, and stay angry.